Hey everybody, Jess here. Just wanted to pop on really quick for two things. Uh, the first is that this podcast in particular was recorded uh, before the protests. So if the news seems a little old, that is why. Also, um, I just wanted to let you guys know that we did skip a week in order to respect what was happening throughout the country with the Black Lives Matter protest. Thank you guys for supporting us in that. And thirdly, I started off with two, but I guess I have three. COVID is still a thing. I hope you guys are all staying safe um, and, um, and are healthy. And with that, enjoy the show. And welcome to the, the Untold, Untold Hour. I did that with my eyes closed. Yeah. Because I, I felt watched. I'd be more intimidating, more intuitive. <laughs> it's like when you're carrying a drink tray, if you were ever a server, you're not supposed to stare at the drinks. You're supposed to oh, look off. Oh, I didn't off. know that. Yeah, if you're ever carrying a drink, if you're ever walking with a martini or a cup of hot coffee, the idea is not to look at the brim or the the edge of the glass. You look off in the distance at kind of a focal point for you to just head toward straight. Well, that explains a lot of the mistakes that I made when I was a busboy and a server at yeah. a restaurant in my town. Yeah. Uh, I, I dumped quite a few large buckets of ice water at somebody once, but not on purpose, like legit mistake, but still. I know. I think all servers have those those fail memories. I dropped ranch on a baby's head. I think I've said that <laughs> before on the podcast. A ramekin yes. of ranch. Normally, I'm very anti-kid uh, kids getting hurt on this show, but I'll let baby with ranch on its head pass for sure. It didn't get hurt, though. It slid right down to the edge <laughs> of the tray, and then it tipped off the edge of the tray, so it just landed on its head like a little hat like a little fascinator is that what tiny hats are called yeah little tiny hat little and fascinator. the baby was just like ah, ah. <laughs> it's like it's raining ranch but the family that around it the family had it noticed so i had to say oh i think i oh look i hey i, I spilled <laughs> ranch on your baby's head what'd they say to that when you pointed it out they were they thought it was funny they were like oh my gosh oh look at that she likes it <laughs> oh that's cute it could have gone way south i know they could have but, been pissed um, that's good. That's good to hear uh, that people didn't go psycho on you. Nope. Um, speaking of psycho, do you want to hear of my own really weird, super crazy experience a la Jessica's front yard? Yeah. Not Bowser's backyard? Yeah. So, obviously, for those uh, Untoldians that have been joining us for the last, like, two or three weeks of this podcast, I have recently adopted a new puppy. It's very, very little. It's very, Whose very name sweet. is Margo Polo. Yes, good job. Its name is Margo Polo, or her name is Margo Polo. Um, but she was, we got her right when she turned eight weeks. And uh, she was very, very small because she was the runt of the litter. She's, uh, she looks like a proper puppy now instead of just, you know, like kind of an amoeba with this weird big head. Yeah. Uh, she's grown into her body quite quickly. Uh, but she's still very, very small. And uh, we had her in the front yard because we're trying to potty train her. Uh, and we're also working on our house. So we were like 
kill two birds with one stone, no pun intended, that'll make sense in a second, um, because we were like, oh, well, we want to check out the work that's been done on the house today, and also this little dog needs to go to the bathroom because she has to pee and poo like every two hours. Yeah. So we put her out in the front yard, and I was standing right next to her facing the house, so I wasn't looking at her, but she was in my peripheral vision. And I was probably close enough that if if I needed to, which I did, uh, I could bend down and like touch her. So she wasn't that far away from me. Oof. And there were three three of us, so three adults, standing in the yard next to her. And all of a sudden, I hear all this really weird, loud flapping, as if a crow, the crow, as I if wish. man, I'm telling you, it keeps on happening, as if the crow or some other big bird not big bird but big bird i guess it could be big bird showed up but he didn't fly anyway uh showed up and started flapping literally right next to my face like it was so close that i could feel the wind movement on my cheek as this bird kind of swooped in and then it swooped down swooped in front of us well actually kind of what happened was it swooped down i felt the wind and heard it I turned my head. It like turned and looked at me. We made eye contact. It was like, fuck. And it swooped up and then flew away. But it happened so fast, I didn't really register what kind of bird it was until it started flying away from me because its ass was kind of like in my face as it was taking off back towards the tree line. And I could tell from its feathers on its tail that it was a motherfucking hawk. Jeez. So we had a hawk swoop down and try to take the dog that's a horror story totally right and listen the dog while small is not like tiny tiny anymore she's probably well she's probably not that big she seems big to us because we got her when she was so little but you know she's definitely within the range of a hawk to be able to fly off with her weight wise totally looked it up later like do like it's kind of scary how heavy they can how heavy can, a thing is that they can lift. Yeah, they can lift. Well, I looked. They can lift up to 40 pounds. And uh, and even if it didn't lift the dog, with its claws and stuff, it definitely would have gotten hurt. Of course. Either way. Or they would. he would have been able to lift her up enough that she would have been up too high and he would have gotten tired. Because this is, you know, in my research, I discovered these stories where uh. a hawk will come pick up a dog or a cat or something, fly off with it realize, ah, shit, this is way too heavy. I'm not going to make it to wherever I need to make it to. Yeah. And then drop it from that height. And then it dies anyway because it hits the ground. Of course. I was just like, but I mean, of all the places, and I really truly think, like, listen, those animals don't miss really on purpose, you know, like, or on accident. They are, you know, it is in literally their DNA to be able to swoop down and hunt small objects. So it has really, it's very precise uh, in its attack style. I think the fact that Margot didn't get taken away is only because that bird swooped down and I looked at it and it was like, oh, shit, because I was close enough that in its mind, I I truly could have reached out had I been quick enough, which I would never have been. But thank God this thing thought I could have. I could have reached out and like snatched it or hurt it. So I would have loved like, if this story went there, that it ends right. with you grabbing a hawk out of midair and slamming it. <laughs> like you would, though, it. to protect. I would not have 
tried to kill the hawk because I think I would have still felt guilty because the hawk is just doing its hawky things. Like, yeah, it doesn't but know. It doesn't know that that's a pet. It once it comes for one of your own, all vets are off, and it's a hawk fight. Well, if it was coming for my kid, which is, it wouldn't, but if it did, yeah. I then I would have snapped its neck if I was able to get my hands on it. The dog, listen, I love the dog, uh, I but I wouldn't have, and I would have protected the dog, but I wouldn't have killed the hawk to protect the dog. I think really? me... Me grabbing the, well, think about it. A person, like you're this hawk, right? You're flying in, you're looking for, you see a little chicken nugget down on the ground. You swoop in, you look over and you're like, oh shit, I didn't realize that that huge tall thing is that close. Right. And then that huge tall thing, a la me, manages to snatch you out of midair. I think that's going to be enough once you're let go. Yeah, I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't kill the hawk like, uh, as punishment, if, if just grabbing it and then like redirecting it was enough to get it to leave us alone, sure. But oh, if it was I like full on be. attack mode, I'd be ready to kill a hawk. Oh. I think all the time and maybe too much, I think about having to fight a dog or a coyote. Yeah. And uh, I'm not saying I, that, you know, hey, I don't, I don't want this to happen, but I often think about will I find myself a scenario where I have to. Schwarzenegger in True Lies style slammed two coyotes together, <laughs> and he, and he didn't even kill those dogs. They were okay, but I I've been chased by a dog before, and I've had that thought of like, at what point do I turn around and start trying to punch a dog? Yeah, it's a crazy thought. When I was uh when I was like twelve, I had a Doberman Pinscher attack me on my bike, and I had Man. to kick it in the face. Dang, dude, that's yeah. no joke. No, when you're 12, and I was too. really upset. I was really upset. And I didn't, I went home and, and I was, because I wasn't upset that it attacked me, but I was upset because in my little 12 year old, 11 year old head, I was like, I have rabies and I'm going to die a horrible totally. death full of crazy. And, uh, and yeah. I didn't tell my parents about it. And then eventually my mom came upstairs because I was just hiding out in my room. And, and I'm sure she thought it was something really bad. Like my daughter just rode her bike home and now is locking herself in yeah. her room and not talking to the family. So she came up and she's like, are you all right? And then I told her and she's like, oh, okay. So then she went and told the neighbors, like, get your dog under control. Dude, people, uh, not to go off on a tangent, and I understand I'm arguably a cat person and not a dog person, but I love dogs. And yeah. I want to have dogs one day. And I've had dogs in the past. But I tell you, dude, people that let their dogs off the leash are a certain type of person. Dude. Oh, well, it's called entitlement, and it oh drives me God, insane. Every I've day. Many arguments. Many, let me just say, I have gotten in many arguments about people that don't have their dog on dogs on leashes. I will say this without getting too big picture or without talking about the pandemic in a way that'll bum anyone out or big political goings on. I, the type of person that lets their dog off a leash, like on a hike, is the same type of person that doesn't feel the need to wear a mask. That's like <laughs> the same type of person. That's well, it's all. just entitlement. That's all I'll I say. Think yeah. it's total entitlement. It's thinking, well, my dog's fine. And listen, maybe your dog is fine, but nobody else knows that your dog is fine. And, and so you know the variable, you know every single variable that your dog could ever possibly encounter. Like, you know, every kind of temperament that they could be met with in other dog. It's such a crazy assumption. I saw yeah. this person today with their uh, German shepherd off the leash. And 
pretty big presence. And for that dog to be off a leash on a hike, like it was kind of scaring people. Yeah. People were like, oh, hey, oh, 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 cool, cool, oh, oh, what's up? And the couple was just like, hello, he's fine. And I'm like, the sight of it isn't fine well, and that's for people rude... with little dogs, for people with yeah. kids. And that's the rude thing. These other people that are just having their nice little hike have that moment in their day where all yeah, they want to like, do is go for a walk. And now they have to be on guard, even if it's only for a hot second. Totally. They've had a situation where they had to be confronted with something that they were unaware of. And now they are scared and, yeah. and unnerved by it. And then these people are just like, hey, hey. And it's like, no, that's not cute. That's not that's not, not cute. cute. It's not a good look. You're nope. an asshole. I don't care. You know, like, I don't care how nice your dog is. You're being inconsiderate on such yeah. a huge level. It's, you know, it's un- in my opinion, it's completely unacceptable. Amen. Yep. Anyway, so uh, point is, point to that story was, yes, a hawk tried to snatch my puppy out of my front yard where we live in the city, and I was blown away by it. And yeah, and so I have glad had kind of get. like little fantasies in my brain of like reaching out and like throttling this bird, uh, but not killing it because I think scaring it would have been enough. Choking the chicken, as they say. No, that's hawk. not at all what I was going to say. And I'm pretty sure that's not <laughs> what that actually implies. Yeah, I guess it's not. I'm so glad it did not get its claws on Margot Polo, though. Oof, yeah. what a horrible, oh. horrible thing that could have been. But now we're really nervous because my little one, my other little one, my son, you know, he's not paying attention half the time when her he takes her outside. So sure. I'm just like, ah, cad. Like, at what point is this hawk going to realize, like, oh, that kid, <laughs> that kid's not even watching. So, yeah, I know. Uh, Hopefully the hawk doesn't circle back when, when mama's not out there. Yeah, no, I think we're, you know, it's weird. I, I know where that hawk lives. It's been around here for a while. Uh, we're in its hunting grounds. And yeah. uh, I've seen it swoop in and, like, and like snatch little birds and stuff. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, but everything's fine. It was just my own uh, backyard adventure. Yeah. Which would have been better had I actually grabbed it out of the air. I did once grab a duck out of, not out of the air, but out of, off the ground. Why? Uh, It came over, not on, not to be mean. I just wanted to see if I could do it. So we were, this was like a long time ago when I was living in Illinois. So I was probably fourth grade fifth grade and uh and there was this park we always used to ride our bikes on this trail called the saint charles river trail it was a bike trail that went through saint charles and uh they all the ducks there were super fat because everybody fed them bread everybody like it was the thing to go out and feed the ducks like that's what you did and uh i was sitting and then because of that the ducks became super food aggressive so anytime you went there to go sit at a park or and have a picnic or you know sitting in one of the um picnic tables or whatever they would come and start to swarm you and they would just kind of circle around and just wait until somebody dropped something or would feed them or whatever and uh this one time (laughs) this one came so close to me that uh it went for my sandwich and i and i snagged it (laughs) and i held it and it went berserk and then i immediately let it go um, but yeah, that was my, that I learned a lesson You just that wanted day. to grab a fat duck. I just wanted to, well, my mom always used to say, if you can catch it, you can keep it as a pet. What? Like, you know, cause we'd have bunnies in our front yard 
Yeah. And I, you know, and I was super little and my mom's like, if you can catch it, you can keep it. And so I would chase these rabbits down as hard as my little legs could go in order to try. Because I was like, oh, my God, I totally want a little bunny. Yeah. You know, and uh, and that's kind of what popped into my brain when I was sitting there at the picnic table and this duck, this fat duck walked by and I love ducks. Like ducks are one of my favorite animals. I find them so funny. They are. I, they're so funny. They're so chubby and they're so, they're so waddly and they look so soft and they're just so, such weird animals and I just love them. They so really I just wanted are. one really bad. But then, you know, then obviously I realized I was scaring the shit out of it. So I let it go. And yeah. then it just was like, Okay, but can I have your sandwich? So then I gave it my sandwich because I felt bad. So it really, it actually kind of earned, earned its meal that day. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so that's that's my story. Um. Don't go grabbing ducks out of the ground or the air, or whatever, because yeah, bad. no hawk also, punches. Yeah, and and don't chase geese. Not that I've ever done that, Dude. but I've had geese chase me, and I've seen other people get chased and bit by geese, and those things hurt. Yeah, well, y'all know those kids that in elementary school that would like run through the, the the pack of birds or whatever you call them. You know, on the playground there'd be a bunch of birds gathered, and the kid, one kid that's like, "Oh, I'm gonna fucking scare them all," and run through them. Hated those kids. Yeah. Trash kids. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean those mean spirited little kids. There were always those kids that were like, "What would this lizard look like cut in half?" Oh, like, yeah, no, I'm not into those kids. You know what I mean? Trash yeah. kids. Yeah, th- that's not nice. Oh, my Lord, if I ever... Ah, nope. Do you think people have the, um, the... We don't have to talk about this as tangential, but do people have the awareness when it's their kid that's like the trash one? You know? Oh, yeah, I think so. Are they like, oh, I know my kid's a piece of shit. I know my kid's a piece of shit. Yeah, I think you so. Don't, well, I think so. I think the difference is whether or not you care, you know? Right. Some kids just, I think, are difficult in general for whatever reason, you know, and I and not on any part or fault of the parents necessarily, Uh you know, like there's things that my kid does that I know I didn't teach them and that I disapprove of. But because he's around other kids, especially older kids, because of um, Uh of um his after school program back when we had school uh you know he started picking up these habits and this and and all of the stuff that you know i was just like unacceptable and uh so it took me and so that's kind of the that's kind of the crux of it is that it 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 took me a while to get him to be to get out of that and behave the way that i yeah I'm trying to raise him. Right. Um, and so school makes that difficult because he's exposed to other kids and other parents' parenting styles and what they think is excusable or not. And so I think the difference is, is you know, even though my child in my eyes was acting up, I care about that. So I yeah. made the effort to put the work in to, to like get rid of that bad habit. Whereas I think some parents, uh, I think most parents do care and some parents just don't. So that was my weird front yard, Bowser's backyard experiment situation. Well, it was a little inverse, a little flip on it this week. A little flip. 
Baron, we, we flipped into the Baron Stein instead of the Baron Stein this week. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of week, it's time for Weird of the Week. Uh, speaking of airborne animals. Oh, it, hey. <laughs> motherfucker, wait, that was a wait. great transition. You I know, but I wanted to introduce a mascot for Weird of the Week. Oh, okay. I want, I want Gator Cowboy to be our mascot for Weird of the Week. All right. Well, this is a very, um, this is a very uh, Southern American segment. Okay. Show today. It's a very, it's a, it's a very like this story that I'm about to talk about next is some Savannah, our main stories in Louisiana. Perfect. Okay. So, yeah. Gator actually, country. Gator uh, is perfect timing for this. That being said, speaking of airborne animals in Savannah, Georgia, an airborne turtle crashed through the windshield of a car driving down the highway. Whoa. Yeah. And, you know, if you see pictures of this, which if you go to our Facebook uh, group page, you can because we will be posting all of our show notes up there. Uh, LaTanya Lark was driving down the Harry S. Truman Parkway when she saw something odd heading towards her car out of the corner of her eye. This is a quote from her. I saw out of the corner of my eye what I thought was a brick, she told CNN. I told my brother, who was riding in the passenger side, oh, my God, there's a brick flying across the highway. No sooner had she said that, that it impacted the vehicle. It scared me so bad, it sounded like a bomb went off and glass went all over my brother. And I <laughs> didn't finish my previous sentence about taking a look at the picture, but when you check the picture out, it is insane. Like, now, is it is it safe to look at? Or is the turtle dead? Am I looking well, at it? Well, the turtle is dead. So, I mean, spoiler <laughs> alert, the turtle is dead, but not for lack of trying to save it. So it's okay. just an unfortunate turtle situation on the turtle side of things. Okay. But it doesn't, it just looks intent, like there's a turtle in her windshield, like halfway yeah. through. So Grant, the name of, who is her brother, uh, was treated for mild lacerations. The turtle was taken to animal care, but later died due to blood loss. Uh, police don't know how the turtle got flipped into the air in the first place, but wow. Latanya and her brother suspect it got flipped into the air by another vehicle. So ba basically another vehicle probably hit it. It kind of yeah. popped it from underneath the tires and sent it flying and then, you know, wow. slammed into her windshield. I do love the fact that they tried to save the turtle. It's unfortunate the turtle didn't make it, but that's at least, you know, that's sweet that they tried. Um and it's and it's really really good that that tur turtle didn't make it all the way through the windshield because, oh my God, could you imagine if you were going that fast that the turtle actually managed to get halfway through the windshield, had it yeah. gone all the way through and hit her brother in the face, or in the neck? I mean, I wonder if it could take off somebody's head if it hit. I don't know right if it could. I mean, I don't well, know. I feel like by the time it passed through the glass, it was probably slowed down by a certain percent, and then I know, I don't but know, it's it still could definitely. Going cut you up i'm sure getting hit that fast with a turtle shell somewhere on you could fuck you up but i don't know if it could decapitate you i don't know yeah i mean i feel like this might be an episode of uh mythbusters somehow mythbusters. yeah <laughs> can, can you get decapitated by a turtle could you get decapitated by a flying tur tortoise tortoise tortoises um i didn't even i must have had uh animals on the brain because I picked this up from Ripley's Believe It or Not, oh, the first place we're gonna go when everything opens up around here. 
yeah. we can get our masks on and head out to Ripley's. Because they'll be really clean over there. Well, yeah, but you know what? Most people, their first destination isn't going to be Ripley's, believe it or That's not. That's true. So I feel like we're going to be just fine because we'll be the only ones in that fucking place. Yeah. Uh, snakes have BFFs. I literally copy and pasted this because it was just a couple lines, but scientists huh? at Wilfrid Laurier, Wilfrid Laurier, Laurier, I guess that's right, University in Canada have determined that snakes are not as uncaring or indifferent to others as was once thought. They're not cold-hearted snakes. Cold-hearted snakes. You can't sing. We don't have the licensing for it, but I was immediately thinking of that too. Yeah. Uh, oh, yes, Paula Abdul. Uh, but that they actually have fellow snakes that they consider to be best friends and hang out with. The oh study my gosh. followed eastern garter snakes and found that they seek out social friends and can be quite choosy with who they decide to spend their time with. <laughs> I think that's cute. <laughs> that's ridiculous. That is I cute, like but I've never snakes. seen that before. I've well, seen, when are you, you going to see snakes that are like choosing their friends? When well, I feel like there's a general that? knowledge of how certain animals interact with each other like we know that there's animals that you know uh, walk out into the road to mourn the loss of one of their partners that was hit by a car or like oh, pigeons raccoons. or rather raccoons I've right I've seen that happen and it's heartbreaking and like doves that stayed we, we had a dove come into our house our cat brought it into our house and it just so happened that my landlady at the time w w like kept birds and she was like i'll be able to bring this dove back to full health because it wasn't dead and uh, she put it out in her one of her outdoor cages, and its partner like flew up and sat next to the cage for the months while it healed. Aw, did it heal? It did, and then when she finally let it out, they're like, all right, ready to go, let's go get it. Whereas I've never heard those kinds of stories about snakes. Well, there you go. See, yeah. you were one of the people that thought that they were uncaring. Yeah. And indifferent, but turns out you were fucking wrong. I was dead wrong. I actually really like snakes. I mean, I have a healthy fear of them, but I also really dig them. Yeah. I, I love snakes and I love spiders. I hate spiders. Fuck that. I no, you lost me on spiders. I don't care. I don't care if they were if they mated for life and that you, they could prove that spiders loved other things. I would still be like, nope, get out. Yeah. But what if they find, like, the cure for all cancer within a spider somehow one day? Well, that's fine, but I don't need like, to have a spider in my rock. house. Yeah. You know. I'm just trying to think of what would I, what would be acceptable to me finding in my home? Yeah. I could handle a snake. I can't handle spiders. I hate spiders so much. Oh, my God. All right. Main story. Ready for this one? Oh, Yeah. All right, so ghost hunters run out of a haunted house due to some spooky shit. And now we're not talking about our friends that are doing a ghost hunt. I do not know these people. No, okay. I've never heard about these particular ghost hunters. I, however, did hear about the story because my mother-in-law sent it to me. So shout okay. out to my mother-in-law for keeping an eye out on um, creepy stuff. On the spooky front, yeah. Uh-huh, really appreciate it. She's a wonderful woman. Um, and this is also oh. kind of in her town, not her town, but in her state, uh, Youngsville, Louisiana. Now, you might have heard about this already because it is, kind of became a viral story when a four-bedroom, three-bathroom house built in the 1930s 
was being given away for free by a realtor in the area after the seller couldn't find any buyers. Um, Sylvia McLean posted about it on her Facebook a few months back, and it was immediately hit up with questions about whether or not it was actually haunted. And then it kind of blew up from there and made the rounds that she was giving it away and that it was uh, super, super haunted, yada, yada, yada. When I'm reading the article, and the article I'm pulling all this from was from The Sun, it it implied that people already knew that it was haunted. Uh-huh. Like, like she posted the fact that she had this house and she was giving it away. And then people in the comments section were like, is it true that it was it's haunted? And is it true about this? And is it true about that? So it, it sounds like it was kind of a, a local celebrity sort of house in the sense that it was mm-hmm. the creepy haunted house in town that everybody knew about. And then because she was giving it away from free, that's kind of what made it go viral. Yeah. So it's just interesting that it, it seems to be pretty common knowledge that this place is like super, super haunted or supposedly super haunted. Um, there is a previous resident that's come out, uh, a Don Velot de Clout, who claims that the ghost inhabiting what? the home. Huh? It just sounds like a, that sounds like the name of a character in a murder mystery. I know. It's pretty awesome. I actually, when I was typing out her name, was like, that's a great last name. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Dawn claims that the ghost inhabiting the home is actually her own great grandmother, Adele, who lived till about 90 years old, um, which FYI, okay, that's great. But my aunt lived to be like 103. Just Whoa. Not that it's competition. I mean, but it always is a competition for me. And, uh, it can be heard stirring a pot in the kitchen, which I think is very sweet, but also very vague. You know, like, okay, I guess. Um, But so apparently Adele haunts this place. But it sounds like based off of these ghost hunters experience that something a little bit more aggressive is haunting that area, not just Adele. Because and, and reading the article, you learn that the land that the house is on, even though the house was built in the 1930s, the land that the house was on is like a hundred something years old. Which when you really think about it, from the US perspective, yes, that's somewhat old. Uh, but from the rest of the world perspective, not so much. Not like you old. go to places like London, France, yeah. what have you, Japan, uh, things are thousands and thousands of years old there yeah. and still standing. So a, a house from the 1930s isn't that big of a deal. I mean, the house that I'm living in, I think, was built in the 40s or the 50s, which, you know, it's not, it's just a couple more, it's a couple more decades. It's yeah. not that, that big of a difference. So like I said before, others claim more nefarious spirits occupy the house. Now, these two ghost hunters, they're from New Orleans, they're Cindy Parr and Greg Matlock Sr., I have not heard of either of these people before, but that's not one way or the other. I just don't know who they are. It's kind of the point I'm trying to make. Uh, Went and visited the location and have claimed that the ghosts drained their batteries on multiple uh, multiple times, even while they had it in their equipment. Uh, Kind of similar to what happened to me on Island of the Dogs with the camera. Like it just... They just die. And it's, it's you know, I don't want to say it's common knowledge because there's no way to prove it. But I guess it's common knowledge within the ghost hunting circle that ghosts absorb the energy surrounding that area in order to manifest either themselves or 
um, incidents or things in order to indicate that they're there. Yeah. So uh, on top of draining these batteries multiple times, they shut down a light and then they actually saw an apparition. So there was okay. an apparition that they laid eyes on, or at least that Greg laid eyes on, including a video. So Greg makes these videos for their YouTube channel, which I'll mm -hmm. have linked in our show notes. Yeah. Uh, they have a video showing a door, which was apparently the door to Adele's old room, slowly opening on up on its own right after the two of them asked for a sign of the spirit's presence. Okay. Um, on the second day, the two decided to stay the night. Uh, they had five batteries drain on them in the process. Um, this is when most of the activity took place, at least most of the hardcore activity that they're talking about in this article, including the apparition. So the apparition happened because uh, Greg was kind of searching the upstairs bedroom area around 2 a.m. And in an area by a bedroom closet, uh, this is what Greg said. This is a quote. Greg, who saw and filmed the figure, said, I turned into the room and saw this black mass standing there. It wasn't a shadow or anything like that. It was pretty wide. I don't think it was the older lady, a la Adele. I mm -hmm. think it was something totally different. The figure was bigger and stood about six feet because it was known that Adele was four foot nine inches. And she pretty much sticks to the downstairs kitchen area. So he's like, it couldn't possibly be her. Mm -hmm. Greg took off after seeing the figure kind of moving to turn and face him. And he also said he felt a sense of evil during the encounter. Now, Greg and Cindy both have been doing kind of a haunted house uh, uh, spirit locations for 20 years. So, you know, they're relatively used to this kind of thing. But they said they never encountered anything this hardcore before. They immediately started praying and seriously considered leaving the home that minute and driving to their own houses so that they could get out of Dodge. Uh, after the spirit encounter, things actually continued to get worse with scratching sounds coming from the walls, growling sounds, and then the stench of urine starting to fill up the upstairs, which it hadn't been there before. You know, people always talk about that with ghosts. They talk about smells of gas and like urine. Yeah, like I've there's... Heard this urine smell thing, especially when it's supposed to be connected to something evil. Yeah. But I haven't heard of gas. Are you talking like farts or are you yeah, talking like, like sulfuric gas? smells? Yeah. Now, do you think that's because, you know, it's the whole like demons and so you've got like brimstone and hell and sulfur? I just, I feel like that's just too convenient. On the nose. Yeah. Way too on the nose. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I if I had to choose between sulfur smell and urine smell, I would lean towards urine. I guess so. <laughs> if that's I a know. Choice that I have to make as being something that I could kind of get behind, but maybe ghosts are just trash people too, and they're farting and pissing everywhere in these houses. Yeah, I just don't. I don't know. That's kind of where with the ghost hunting stuff, I have a tendency to get a little hung up. Is that it's so. It's it seems to be so stereotypically Christian the the stories that I Christian based the stories yeah. that we run into a lot of the time, and there's just so much more to the world than that one particular religion. Yeah, that I have a hard time feeling like why, like why would that be like why would that demon if it's a demon why would yeah. that demon show up and choose to do it that way and the, i right. i guess you could justify it with the sense of 
well, most people in the States are Christians. And if you were a demon, you would want to associate yourself with something that they could recognize as as a flag for their own fear. Yeah. Right? Because if it was too out of left field and somebody didn't know, have any, you know, emotional connection to whatever it is that you're trying to manifest, they're not going to care as much. So, or they might not even notice it. Yeah. So you want to show up to the party with the right party dress on. Right. Kind of, you know, yeah. that's kind of yeah. the only way I can justify yeah. some of those. But I, mean, I just always, I always get kind of hung up on that too, because like you said, it's so, it's so on the nose. Yeah. It's like, it's like, what is it? Handbook of the Dead? Yeah, from, exactly. From uh, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Like step one, make yeah. yourself smell like rotten eggs. Step two, go haunt these people by turning into a shadowy figure. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, so that's it for the story. I mean, the ba- uh, basic update is after posting about the home on Facebook, the house has since been picked up by a young woman who uh, got it for free. She is going to be relocating it to family property about 15 to 20 miles away. Uh, The ghost hunters themselves are very curious to see if the haunting will continue on after this family moves in. And uh, and yeah, and that's kind of where it stands. I guess my question would, though, and I know this is the go to question, and I don't know how anybody would have made a profit off of it. But is there the possibility that it's a publicity stunt? That even this woman who has listed the house for free, yeah. that the ghost hunters were in cahoots with her to then be like, we'll do that. And then they come out with this crazy story. But if you're saying the next person that has it is also for free, then I don't know what she would have benefited from this stunt. I mean, I guess maybe just strictly PR on a local level, you know, a yeah. sem- like a semi-international level. Because The Sun is actually a UK paper. So this story traveled pretty far. But, um, you know, it's not like it's big, big news that's going to carry on for the next couple of months. So, yeah. So maybe just from a um, from a local like a local hero kind of uh, yeah. uh, notoriety PR situation. But, you know, it is whatever. a cool looking house. It's you know, I so having having lived in area with those houses being relatively common. Yeah. I think it, it I mean it looks spooky, but it also just looks like a rundown home. Like Yeah. It doesn't look I don't know. There's a house that I went to, let me look it up here really quick, that in New York that to me far outweighs the scare factor in comparison to the Louisiana house. And in fact, you can take like haunted tours or overnights there. But if you do, you need to sign a waiver. And I stayed there to do this. um, Remember, I actually was trying to get you involved in it, too, back when we were doing Bizarre States over at Nerdist. And remember, it was for Diablo. It was. Yes. Oh, yeah. I remember the whole thing. Haunted house and like stay up all night and uh, do this kind of like improv haunting uh, ghost hunt slash play Diablo. Yeah. Yeah. and I did actually have something weird happen at that home. But um, let me see if I can find the name of the house. Uh, I think it was. Yeah. Okay. So um, so here's the hotel that I stayed at when uh, I was in upstate New York, where you actually have to sign a waiver in order to um, stay there and go inside and look around. 
uh, impromptu second main story. You ready for this? Yeah. Okay. Like I'm, I'm flying by the seat of my pants on this article here. So sorry if it sounds really choppy, but it's called the Shanley Hotel. It's in upstate New York. Um, the area itself is so weird, so creepy. It's like this almost like it's a very small town that used to be a place where um, where you would go during the summer when New York was too hot. New York City yeah. was too hot because it's up in the mountains, so it's a lot cooler. It's uh, it's The area has a lot of abandoned hotels. It, it definitely has... Um, is no longer in its prime but if you go there like tried and true diehard people that used to love going there in like the 50s and 60s which is when it was kind of in its heyday this particular area uh still like you go there and it's like still all like a bunch of old people show up and party and it's yeah. kind of amazing it's kind of great because there's this weird mix of a lot of money like you can tell it had a lot of money at one point there's all this like amazing landscaping all these big abandoned hotels that have just been left standing to kind of rot that they haven't figured out what to do with yet just it's you know the the way the town is set up it looks like it used to be a a vacation town but now it's kind of falling to ruin it's the area in and of itself is pretty outstanding and amazing and then on top of it you have this hotel the shanley hotel which is said to be the most haunted hotel in new york and even along the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe when I went there, at least, which was a few years back, it was privately owned by a family. I think they still own it. And it's pretty, pretty run down. Yeah. I mean, um, it looks pretty run down, at least the exterior. Yeah. And it's gone through a lot of different iterations. So it's had. it says here it had a pretty long and tragic history. Back in 1895, after the previous hotel burnt down, it was built up again. Um, many people have died there, including children, not my favorite thing, but it happens. Um, and, uh, the homeowners or the hotel owners now, which they're, it's now no longer a hotel necessarily. I think you can use it as a bed and breakfast if you, if they choose to, but it's really more of like a personal home, um, have said that they believe that some children haunt the upstairs room. They actually have a playroom set out for the kids where they've said um, some of the toys have moved on their own when they leave stuff up there for folks. Uh, It says, let's see here, May of 1911, tragedy struck the first of many. The hotel's barber, Peter Greger, was living with his wife and two daughters on the second floor of the hotel. The three-year-old wandered to a nearby farm and fell down a well. She died instantly. And is said to haunt the Shanley now, and that visitors can hear her playing and giggling. I did not experience that when I was there, but uh, James Shanley's sister-in-law Esther lived at the hotel, and she died of influenza in 1918. And she is said to haunt the second floor. Um, let's see. His brother Andrew died in 1919, uh, and it shows a picture of a ghost in a window. That you can't really quite see. I mean, it kind of looks like a person. And it says, could this be Andrew? Uh, But yes, he died in 1919. He was only 49 years old. Um, Then back in the 1920s, the hotel became very, very popular. It was also converted into a bordello and uh, a bootleg liquor store during Prohibition. And then was abandoned in 1992. Um, current owners picked it up, said they didn't know that it was haunted until they bought it. 
I mean, you just got to look at that place. But yeah, uh, there's also supposedly a ghost cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, these pictures make it look a lot nicer. <laughs> really? Than it is. Uh, when I went there, you know, not to talk shit because it was nice that they invited us, but um, like half the upstairs hadn't been redone. So it was pretty much like holes in the walls and everything was old and chipping. Um, all of the furniture is kind of like mishmashy. I mean, it's yeah. perfect for if you like, like I do, haunted places. I mean, it's a haunted, it's yeah. a haunted house. But um, but uh, as far as refurb and uh, and goes, you know, still let ask, rough. Let me ask you this. What would have to happen for you to leave a haunted house? I mean... Mm. What they were talking about happened at this that had happened in this house, the Matlock guy and uh, saw a black mass. I mean, what else? There was just like some noises and some uh, some scratching and growling. Some scratching and gra- It's like I don't I... know. Like if I was there for the for the purposes of ghost hunting, I don't know that that would make me leave. If like no. me and a loved one were just staying somewhere and that happened, I'd be like, fuck this. But if I was somewhere for the purposes of ghost hunting, I don't know that that would make me leave. I think I would leave if I saw an apparition. Yeah. Like if I saw a very distinct apparition where even if I couldn't make out detailed facial features or anything like recognizable, but I could tell that it was the shape of a person and it moved like a person, I think that would be enough to at least freak me out enough to to um i don't know would that make me leave po- possibly possibly yeah possibly definitely uh the i think the thing that freaks me out the most the one story that i've heard that i've always been like holy shit i don't know how these people handled it is there i don't know where i saw this but there were these two women who were kind of the caretakers of this abandoned um, TB hospital that they were trying to refurb into like a hotel or some sort of like community center or something. They knew the place was haunted and that apparently at this TB center, they also had kids there. One in particular, you know, and people that would come there and get sick, if they were pregnant, they'd have their babies there and the babies would stay with the mothers in this hospital, whether they were sick or not. And so the kids yeah. would grow up in these environments. And they were, and I, the, this story one of the women said they that she strongly suspected that there was a little girl haunting this certain area of this hospital and so she would she left candy for her out on a countertop and then walked away to go do something and came back and the candy was missing out of the wrappers and all the wrappers huh. were left on the countertop and i think that's where i would be like oh fuck be, I, be yeah. uh, some because it's tangible you know, like I think with seeing figures or hearing scratches, well, scratches can be explained of like rats in the wall, especially old homes, rats in the walls, raccoons in the walls. Yeah. I mean, one only has to watch Grey Gardens to understand how many fucking animals can live in an abandoned house. I know. You know, stuff like that. The smell of urine, again, abandoned homes. There's wild animals that go in there and like piss and shit everywhere. Bats, guano, all that stuff, doves, what have you. All of that adds up after a while. Um, and can 
caused that smell to happen. So I think logically that's how I would explain that stuff away. But to literally put freshly wrapped candy pieces and then like five minutes later come back and that shit's gone and you're the only one there, like that's a little fucked up. Like, I guess you could still say, okay, well, maybe a raccoon climbed out and with its little paws opened up those wrappers. I suppose it could happen. Yeah. But still, that would be, that would, that's tangible enough for me to flip me out. Yeah. And actually, even with, you know, not to keep bringing it up, like, hashtag humble brag, but um, even with the Island of the Dolls stuff, like, that was pretty pretty significant although i left that space not because i was scared but because i was sad because of like that weird feeling yeah. so yeah i don't know it, i don't know it would i think it would take something very practical i think i'd be more scared of something practical yeah than i would be of something that i i think could be a, a trick of my eyes or or whatnot what about you me, what do you think would push it i think it would have to be the nausea that people talk about getting Oh, in well, yeah, incredibly evil nauseous. places. I could see, I feel like I could see ghosts all night long, but the second it made me like vomit or made me sick like that in a way I couldn't explain, yeah. like it was affecting me physically, I'd be like, fuck this, and be running out of there, vomiting on the front well, yard, such, hoping to feel better. That's such a, that's such a easy out. Of course you don't want to stay there if you're going to feel like you're going to shit your pants and barf everywhere. I know, but I'm saying I could handle seeing a ghost and hearing scratches and growling. I could probably stick it out, but the second I'm physically ill from it, I'm gorn. Whoo! I'm a I'm a I'm Scooby uh, Dust at that point. Scooby Dust. Yeah. Well, that's all I've got for the main story and the impromptu yeah. Shanley Hotel story, which I highly recommend folks check that out. I'm going to put the one article that I quickly glanced at up on our show notes, but I highly recommend you guys, if you're curious about it, doing a deeper dive on the internet to find out more about it and the area around it too, because there's a lot of weird, it's just, I cannot express to you enough how weird the area was. Yeah. And with that, I think we should move into some listener stories. Sure. All right, so listener story, my encounter with the hat man. Man, we always hear about the hat man. Right? I didn't realize it was such a thing. Yeah. So, hey, Jess and Andrew, my name's Josh. Feel free to use it. A few weeks ago, I discovered both the Bizarre States and Untold Hour podcasts after a full day of watching all of Andrew's Onyx the Fortuitous videos. Dude, you're blowing up right now. TikTok was the way to go for you. Yeah. Um... Speaking of, I want to hear how that's working out. Uh, oh, since yeah. then, yeah, since then, I've binged nearly all of the podcast episodes while in quarantine. I swear it's been the only thing getting me through my day and keeping me up at night. Well, good, Josh. I'm glad we were able to help you during this time because because we're all suffering as well. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like really hitting my my limit. All right, so all the spoopy shenanigans got me thinking of some of my own haunted happenings that I wanted to share with you, mostly in regards to shadow people and what I recently discovered was the infamous hat man. It's a bit of a long story, but I hope you'll stick with me. Let me see how long it is. Maybe we'll... Okay, so yeah, it is a long story, so he's going to be our only one for today. Um, To preface and to make a very long story somewhat short, my dad was not a nice guy. Abusive in every way that you can imagine. When I was younger, he used to get a kick out of scaring my sister and I, either by hiding in the closet while we tried to sleep and making scary noises or jumping out of a doorway wearing Jason's hockey mask and chasing us around the house with a knife. Oh, 
Golly. I only mentioned I only mentioned this because it's going to come into play later. When I was young, I used to have severe problems with asthma, and this was the first occurrence of something unnatural. I shared a room with my sister, and while she was always able to get to sleep right away, I always had trouble. It felt like something was watching me. Whenever I did get to sleep, I would often have this reoccurring nightmare where I was being enveloped by something, usually a black mass or group of alien-looking beings. I would then wake up and feel an immense pressure on my chest. I was familiar enough with my asthma to know when it was acting up versus some outside force affecting it. Whenever I would wake up, I would be locked in place by something quite literally dark. It's hard to explain other than to say that it was a black mass that hovered over me darker than the night around it. And while my asthma made it difficult to breathe, this felt like something was literally sucking the air out of my lungs. And on the few times I was able to fight it off, I could actually feel my hand connecting with something. Only when I was able to hit it or my screams drew my mom to come check on us did it ever go away. Of course, no one believed me since I was five and chalked it up to nightmares or an overactive imagination. A few years later, we moved into a new home, one that my father had a hand in designing and building. It was located in Texas at the edge of a golf course that used to be an entire town, but was torn down in the early 1900s to make way for new housing. From the moment that we moved in, I could feel a presence there, and it didn't seem very friendly. My father's office was located across from my room, and he always kept the door open. It's hard to explain, but it was always darker than the rest of the house. Even if the sun was shining into it, it almost seemed to absorb any light that came in. We kept a spare bed there for guests to use whenever they came over, but it was rarely in use. Since this is when computers were still becoming a thing, we had to go in there whenever we wanted to play games. There would often be times when it sounded like someone was speaking into the fan he kept in the corner of the room, but no one would be there when I turned to look. This would often be accompanied by an impression in the bed that looked like somebody was sitting on it, which would often rise back up to its normal position when I would look at it. But it was worse at night when I was trying to sleep. I had a walk-in closet that my parents made me keep open so that the air vent in the ceiling could cool down the room. I didn't like keeping it open because something about that closet always freaked me out. One night, I got in trouble and was sent to bed early. I lay awake, unable to sleep because of how hot it felt in the room, despite the air conditioning being turned on. On top of that, I could feel the gaze of something in my room staring at me. I turned to look at the closet and saw what appeared to be the same black mass that had been in our prior home. This time, it was much larger, taking up nearly the entirety of the closet from floor to ceiling. It was in the back of the closet and very, very slowly making its way forward, almost like it was taunting me. I remember opening my mouth to scream and nothing came out, no matter how many times I tried. Somehow, I managed to get out of bed and run to my bedroom door, but I couldn't get it open, despite there being no lock. I lay on the floor trying to scream under the crack in the door while the black mass slowly made its way out of the closet and into my room, inching its way towards me. Almost 10 minutes passed and it had only made its way halfway across the room. At this point, my mom opened the door to check on me saying she had a bad feeling and wanted to make sure I was all right. The moment she turned on the light, I was able to scream again and the room instantly went cool with the feeling of the AC. She insisted I had had just a bad dream because I felt bad about getting in trouble. I told her I hadn't slept at all, and so she said it must have just been my dad playing another trick, despite us both knowing that he'd been downstairs the entire time. I never saw the entirety of the mass again while we lived in the house, only small bits of it in the upper corner of my closet watching me while I lay in bed each night. 
We then moved halfway across the country to Washington State in a house that had been built in the 60s and left without tenants for a few years prior to us. For the first few weeks, nothing out of the ordinary happened, but after a month or so, I started seeing the black mass again, this time in the corner of my room. Most of the time, I'd throw the co covers over my head for what seemed like an eternity, and when, I'd work, and when I'd work up the courage to peek again, it would be gone. With each appearance, it started to solidify itself more and more into a human-like shape, though it never had any features, just the outline of a person. After about six months, the black mass stopped appearing in my room outright and would instead start to enter it. The upstairs to our room was just a small hallway connecting two bedrooms, which belonged to my sister and I, respectively. On the other side of my bedroom wall was the staircase between the first and second floors. At the same time, every night, around 2 a.m., I'd hear distant footsteps making their way up the stairs and would take this time to throw the covers over my head, not knowing what to expect. After the footsteps reached the top of the stairs, there would be silence for a few moments, at which point I'd barely peek my eye out of the covers. At first, I only saw the man's lower half. It was a very distinct set of gray trousers, a black suit jacket, and black lace-up shoes. He carried with him a briefcase and had a pocket watch that was pointed outward. The time on it never seemed to change, and it always read 8.15. I'd watch from beneath the covers as he did nothing but stand there, and then after a few minutes, he'd tap the pocket watch, and turn and walk away. Every night, he left at the same time, 2.06. What's strange is that even though I knew that he was coming, it wasn't until the clock hit two each night that I started to feel scared. It was almost like a switch flipped in my brain. What's more, every time that he showed up, the room got incredibly hot, not cold, like you hear about in other ghost stories. Finally, after about a week of him appearing in my doorway, I worked up the courage to look at the rest of him. There wasn't much of a face, only a shadow, but there were a pair of red eyes beneath what looked like a bowler hat. He'd stare at me for a few minutes and then turn to go without saying or doing anything, but he always tapped the pocket watch, which still read 815, and always left at 206. I was too afraid to mention the man to my mom as I thought she'd just brush it off again, but I started to sleep in my sister's room on the weekends. The shadow man never came to visit me there, but I still had trouble sleeping, fearing that he may come. Instead of him, every time I slept in her room, one of the dolls that she had on her shelf would turn its head to look at me at 2 a.m. and then turn its head back at 2.06. Fuck. <laughs> Even if this is fake, this is great. I love this story. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is so good. Um, one night I woke up to find the man standing in the corner of my room. Not, okay, let me preface that. Not that I think it's fake. I'm just saying like, whoa, this is intense. Yeah. One night I woke up to find the man standing in the corner of my room. When he noticed me staring, he walked towards my door, tapped his pocket watch and walked out. Strangely, the man didn't have his briefcase with him this time. The next morning, I mentioned it to my mom, thinking she'd just laugh it off as she had the past two homes we'd been in. Instead, she got kind of quiet and said, that's strange. Your sister said she's been seeing something like that, too. I hadn't mentioned the man to anyone in my family, but she had described him exactly as I had. And just like with my sighting, he came every night at 2 and left at 2.06. After this sighting, I never saw the man again. We moved once more because of my father's job, but this time there weren't any shadow people at our new house. Around this time, the abuse with my father became the worst it had ever been. It all reached ahead one day when my mom finally had enough and called the cops on him. He moved out. My parents divorced shortly thereafter. It wasn't until a few months later, while lying in bed, that I remembered the date that it happened. August 15th, 2006, or 8-15-2006, just like the clocks when the man came to visit. 
I go back and forth in my mind even now, wondering if the times were just a coincidence or if perhaps he knew something. I never knew what to call the man and thought it was just some isolated incident until a few weeks ago. I can't remember which, but one of the episodes of Bizarre States inspired me to look up shadow people online. And there I came across a page that mentioned the hat man. The apparition they described fit what I saw almost perfectly. The only difference was the hat he wore. They mentioned top hats or fedoras, not a bowler hat. But I wonder if, due to my young age and the angle at which I saw him, I merely misinterpreted the kind of hat he wore. Supposedly, he's been seen all around the world acting as sort of a sleep paralysis demon. And while many say he's malicious, some also say that he accompanies negative emotions in your life or precludes tragic events, much like the Mothman. Even though I was petrified of the man at the time and still am when I think of him today, a part of me wonders if perhaps he was really looking out for me and letting me know that everything would be all right in the end. All I know is that I have... All I know is that I haven't been as frightened before or since, and his visits have left an impression on me even now. That said, in a weird, spoopy way, it really gives me a sense of relief to be able to put a name to what I saw and know I wasn't the only one who saw it. Anywho, thanks for listening to my long, rambling story, and thanks for providing a daily dose of spoops every week. Hope you guys stay safe during this crazy time. That is a great story. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a full saga. That's great. Yeah, I dig it. I dig yeah. it. And it was also very nicely well-written and easy for me to read because my eyes are getting worse. So. Yeah. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, that was really good. I think I love, I love how, oh, I think the thing for me that really kind of locked it into place is when he's like, and then in his sister's room, the doll would turn at two and uh-huh. turn away at 2.06. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it. I like those little kind of details. Awesome. Well, there you go. There you Sorry. have it. That's that's all I've got for the podcast today. Anything uh, you want to add? Tell me what's your twi- uh, give me your TikTok saga before we sign off here. Yeah, I'll give you my quick update. Uh, it, it's just such a fickle app. Um, to explain quickly, well, I was relaxing during listener stories and I laid back. Let me see if I can even get my fucking feet off my desk. Hold on, because I want to give you a visual of this. Um, there's this trend on TikTok called the bottle cap challenge where you take a sealed root beer or beer and uh, you tap it like this, tap it like this, and you tap the cap and it pops it right off. And sometimes mm-hmm. it even takes the top of the glass off with it. Millions of videos on TikTok doing this. Almost every time it's a beer bottle. Most of the time it's like Bud Light or Corona, whatever people are drinking. And uh, and a butter knife. They use a butter knife, right? So Onyx did that trend. And he used a stone IPA beer and a butter knife. And my joke was, I did like an edit joke. Basically, I went like this, like that. And when I went like that, the beer bottle turned into the crow, an action figure of the crow. <laughs> and I like did a match cut, though, so it was pretty seamless. And then I was like, whoa, that's it. I mean, eight seconds long. Tap, 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 turns into the crow. Removed. For violating community guidelines. What? Why? Like, so I went insane. I'm like, okay, you know, this, you can't, this just, it's such a fickle app. There's no way to really get a handle on what content is going to like offend the bots. somebody is fucking with you on purpose. Like, I think there, so too, dude. There is a dude that is running, you know, that is, that is the one guy fielding all of these like reports 
and he right. just has it out for you because well, I can't even begin to tell you how many times I go onto Instagram and I'm get, I'm getting all these, oh my God, Marsha, thank you so much for helping me invest in Bitcoin, like like right. incessantly, and I report it and report it and report it because and nothing I'm, happens. I'm that fucking petty. No, you know what happens? They're, they they so don't give a shit. There's there's even a pop up now that they've created that says, well, because of COVID, we can't address all of the complaints of all of the people uh, trolling everybody's posts. And I'm kind of like, okay, yes, but you are an internet company. You don't need to be in offices. Whoever it is that you've hired to do this shit, just have them do it at their fucking desk at home. Well, they've gotten to a point where everything's just bots. Like nothing is nothing is real. There are no humans, and that's what frustrates me. So. So I took, so it got taken down. So I thought, okay, maybe it's the fact that the beer bottle label is showing, even though I can find millions of examples where you see Corona, you see Bud Light, you know, people that are doing this in their random Midwestern town aren't thinking of blurring the label or facing the label away. But just to be safe, I re-upload it with the label blurred. Okay, do it. Do it turns into crop taken down. Community violations guidelines uh violated like is it because of the crow being copyrighted or there's something there's no effing way there's i mean tiktok is full of kids in their in their bedroom with posters of copywritten images with so there's there's no like visual copyright system that i've yet to understand about tiktok and the fact that it could recognize the crow action figure as being <laughs> anything it's insane so I didn't get banned, but those two videos got removed, and it just bothered me because they had like eighty thousand views in a half an hour. Like they were soaring, um, so it really made me angry. But then it's like I'm fucking stupid if I get that angry about it. I think bothered me. You and I should do an experiment and both upload the same video. Yeah, or I or doing the same thing or doing the same thing. Yeah, totally. Like I'll start a TikTok. Fuck, I can't believe that just came out of my mouth. But I'll start a TikTok yeah, just, just to, test, to test it for you. Yeah. And to see if it works. I feel like this should be this should be an untold hour exclude. Yeah. Like let's let's see. I'll who, do it. Let's like, do it. Let's see who, who breaks TikTok. Yeah. Cause I'd love to know. And also, yeah, if it's as simple as there's a troll out there who's reporting me, well, shouldn't I can submit an appeal, and I did. I was like, submit appeal. This fucking copyright or this community oh, guidelines violation is trash. somebody reporting you. Yeah. Yeah, but if that's the case, when I go and submit appeal, their bot should review the video and be like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with this. That was a troll. But it's not. It reviewed it and was like, yeah, we reviewed it. And uh, it's it's bad. We took it down. <laughs> like, because you fucking hate the crow? What are you? It's insane. Oh, my God. Maybe they do. In which case, fuck TikTok then. Like how how dare you hate the crow? I mean, there's a whole trend. There's so many like there's so many trends on TikTok that are crazy. There's like stuff that's so inappropriate on that app. Do you know? I don't understand that because I've watched a few of your TikToks now. Yeah. Not even through the app, but through YouTube after you upload them. Yeah. That Instagram. Now, in when I search for like things to explore kind of stuff, because I'm tapped out on my my the content that I already follow, uh, does nothing but suggest sexy dance girl TikTok videos to me, That's and I'm great. just like, fuck, <laughs> I don't want to see this. If I have yeah. to see one more girl sexy lip sync to some song that I don't even know who the who the artist is, like I just I know. I'm too old. 
I'm too, I'm straight too old and I'm proud of it. I do not, I do not want to be a part of that mess. And I'm just like, oh. I, I get it. Although I have, now I'm starting to get like, now this story, your story is kind of intriguing me. And like a couple other TikTok videos are starting to intriguing me. Cause like I have other friends sending me stuff and now I'm like, well shit, maybe I should lurk. Maybe I'll be a lurker. Can you be a lurker on TikTok? Oh, there's so many lurkers, dude. I yeah. get comments from people and then I go to their profile and there's zero uploads and they're, They've, they're only following people. They're just oh, there yeah. to work. I yeah. think I might become a lurker. I, I like yeah. that better anyway. Um, I think, you know, like in what, 2017, we had uh, Stabby McStab clowns. Yeah. In 2019, we had Submarine Murderer. Uh, in 20, well, we're in 2020. In 20-whatever, uh, we had, you know, Poop Joggers. I think your TikTok saga... Yeah. Should be our 2020 through line. Through line. Yeah, I'm down for that. It's going to keep evolving because I'm going to upload a video where Onyx is like, "Why'd y'all take down my TikTok? Just because I was I was turning it into the crow? Why do y'all hate the crow? Like, there's going to be a whole rant video about it. Yeah, I'm into it. Okay, this yeah. is going to be our thing. Okay. 2020 year of the crow. And there's <laughs> yeah. the there's the title for this podcast. Totally. 2020 year of the crow. Amen. Uh, well, keep doing what you're doing because it's working. I, I can't even begin to tell you how many people, you know, send stuff to me and it's your shit. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, there was another Onyx clip that went viral over the weekend. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. You want to come over and help me go viral on my YouTube channel? Because I could use yeah, these. Sure. Yeah, Yeah. Help me out. Let's come up. I will. Let's come up with some suggestions because <laughs> uh, I am tapped out. I'm not creative enough. My soul's been my soul's been crushed over the course of so many years in the business. Yeah. All right. And with that, a high note. Yeah. Let's go into where you can follow us for more information. Our Twitter account is at Untold Hour Pod. Our Instagram is at The Untold Hour. And if you want to email us your listener story, which we will read on the air, send it to The Untold Hour Pod at gmail.com. You can also send it through Instagram. The email link is up there as well on the front page. So you can go ahead and do it there. If you are interested in joining our Facebook group, it is The Untold Hour Podcast Group. Uh, go ahead and search for it in the search bar. It should pop up. I am working on trying to get the URL switched over from Bizarre States to the Untold Hour. Yeah. I put in that request multiple times, but look, just like TikTok, the bots are not working in my favor. So I will continue to grind away at that uh, a Sisyphean task. Um, but hopefully, eventually, we will get that over, which will also then, I assume, make searching for the Facebook group a little easier. And again... Just as a reminder, yes, I am trying to uh, unlock everything for people to post, but no, I haven't figured out how to do that yet. I can't even find the settings anymore because Facebook huh. updated everything and I don't know where anything in the menu system is anyhow, anymore. So I'm trying to figure it out. I am a little hesitant because I do see people posting things that I still have to approve and I'm like, dudes, did you even read the rules? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, you cannot post political rants on here. I'm sorry. The answer is yeah. no. It's just ghosts. Ghosts and fucked up shit. Yeah. Not your political takes. Yeah. Um, and heads up, we're looking to start a Goodreads. Mm-hmm. Looking to start a Goodreads. There's a lot of um, paranormal, occult, otherworldly books that are being made to uh, free online now. 
There's a lot of things that I know that I've read that I want to suggest to people that people ask me about all the time. Uh, Bowser, I don't know if you have any books that you would like to recommend. Yeah. Um, but I think we should start a Goodreads channel. I'm going to start working on that. And as soon as I get that up and running, we will be posting that as well as possibly a Spotify playlist of all of our favorite tunes just, you know, to have something fun to do yeah. while you're listening to the podcast. I think that's yep. kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So just a little bit of just a little bit of community, just a little bit of fun that I think everybody will enjoy. Mm-hmm. And with that, do you want to do our outro? Let's do it. You've been listening to Jessica Chobot and Andrew Hour on the Untold. Oh my Jesus what? fucking Christ! <laughs> I jumped it. You want to do it? But again? I, I say leave it in, but I'll do it again. No, no, leave it in for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but then do, I'll it do it again. again. This is Jessica Chobot and Andrew Bowser, and you've been listening to the Untold Hour. Bye. Bye. Star Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.